Two weeks ago, I preached to a group of pastors out in Pennsylvania, and you may ask, is that strange, you know, a pastor preaching to pastors? No, it's not strange, and, and, and I love it. I mean, I speak their language, we're colleagues, I do what they do, uh, I know where they've been, I understand who they are, I know their struggles, I can encourage them and challenge them, so it's not really strange, and I love it. On the other hand, it's really strange, and I hate it. <laughs> Uh, there, there is nothing more intimidating than being a preacher preaching to preachers. I mean, there's this huge weight of pressure as you preach to peers, especially the ones that are in the office that have, or out in the audience that have more of a critical demeanor. You know, the glasses on the end of their nose, and they're in suit and ties, and their big old Bibles on their lap, and uh, they silently criticize everything you say. And how you say it, from the text you choose to a proper understanding of the context, from the applications you make based on the historicity of the passage, from the original meaning of the Greek and Hebrew, yeah, it can be very intimidating preaching to preachers or pastors. Well, here's the truth. Sometimes pastors need preaching to. And sometimes I need preaching to someone other than my wife. Um, but, but, and, and... <laughs> And sometimes a church staff needs preaching too. Because sometimes we forget what shepherding the sheep really is supposed to look like. And sometimes those in ministry forget about what it means to care for God's people. What exactly does that entail? What does it look like? And sometimes we forget that this is a church family. This is not a business as a matter of fact, to paraphrase uh, Charles Stanley, pastor in Georgia, one of the greatest dangers for a church is when businessmen want to run the church like a business. This is not a business. This is a church and we are a family. And, and that's part of the message this morning in 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 as we've gotten back into the book of 1 Peter, working through these passages. And, and Peter at this junction is going to preach to those who are in ministry. So you're off the hook, people. I want you to notice this. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, now we know the context is God's people are suffering and, and they're being encouraged to trust God and have faith in God. And, and God's people, if they're suffering, they need godly leaders, pastors, shepherds, especially during those times. Now, you may say, well, why do we need to hear a message like this, Pastor Scott? If this passage is for those in ministry, why do those in the church need to listen to this? And why was this written to a church, to other Christians? What's the big deal? If this is for you and the church staff and the oversight team and various leaders, listen, here's a few reasons. One is that God's people need to be educated on what a pastor is and is not. Secondly, those in ministry, like myself, need to be held accountable. Accountability is good for us, and there is nothing wrong with that. Thirdly, God's people need to know how to pray and encourage those in ministry. You need to know how to pray for us, how to encourage us. And not only that, church leaders need to grow in our understanding of God's expectations for us. So those who serve on staff or in ministry of this church, we need to know what God's expectations are for us. 
And not only that, but there is good application for all of us who serve the Lord in any capacity. Uh, Understand that as well. Now, this is one of the benefits of preaching through books of the Bible. You can't skip parts. You know, when you preach through a book of the Bible, there, there might be a section that's a really tough section. You know, and one of the things I do as a pastor is we try to have a series that might be more topical, but then we get back into a book, book study. And so I try to balance that out with a healthy diet. You, when you do a book study, you can't skip parts, and that's good for us. So, read along with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I've titled this message, Learning to Shepherd and Learning of Shepherds. Learning to shepherd and learning of shepherds. First thing we see is this. Shepherds seriously, not apathetically. That's what I'm called to do. That's what those in ministry are called to do. God is counting on us to take care of the sheep. Now, this is an exhortation. He says, I exhort you. This is a command, not a suggestion to those in ministry. He is preaching at pastors right here. Now, he's talking specifically, he uses the word elders. What's that term, elder? Elder in the Bible is synonymous with bishop, overseer, and pastor. They're all used interchangeably in scripture. So when you see elder or bishop or overseer or pastor, it all refers to the same office. Now, to get a little bit more specific, elder refers to spiritual maturity of the office. A bishop is is the same word as overseer, by the way. And that's the responsibility of having spiritual oversight over the people of God. A pastor is the responsibility of shepherding. That's the caring and the feeding and the leading and the protecting and the correcting. And now he says the elders, plural, among you in verse 1. Now, you need to understand, whenever elders is mentioned in Scripture, it is always in the plural. It's never in the singular. And this is important for a couple reasons. Number one is this, I'm not alone. What does that mean? I don't call all the shots. Pastor Scott is not calling all the shots in this church. You need to understand that. There is an accountability built into the leadership of this church. There's a team in place. There's an oversight team of five men. I think we have a picture of the guys up here. There's five guys who are the overseers who are on the oversight team. Two of them are laymen and three of us are on staff. And and we're presently praying about God bringing more on and laymen on. So you need to be in prayer for that as well. So I don't call all the shots. So one of the important reasons that it's in the plural is I'm not alone. There's another reason why this is in the plural that's important. Number The second reason is I am not alone. You may, well, what do you mean you're not alone? You just said that. Well, it's very encouraging because ministry can be very, very lonely. 
One of the top reasons why pastors leave the ministry is because of loneliness. 250 pastors leave the ministry every month. 250 drop out of ministry every month because of discouragement, moral or professional failure, or loneliness. Focus on the family and Barna Research. This is their research. 70% of pastors state they have no good true friends. 76% of pastors' wives feel lonely and out of place in their congregation. 27% of pastors have no one to turn to if facing a crisis. 65% of pastors believe their family lives in a glass house isolated from the church and judged by the church. So these are pressures that those in ministry at different times can feel. And it's not easy. So you know what that tells you? You pray for us. You pray for your pastors in this church. You pray for your leaders. You pray for your directors. And you seek to encourage them. Because ministry is not easy. Now, this is an exhortation to elders. This is an exhortation by an elder. This is coming, look at verse 1, as your fellow elder. That's how Peter describes himself. He calls himself a pastor. So it's Peter the pastor or Cephas the shepherd. Okay, another word for him. And, And this really fits because of Jesus' exhortation to him in John chapter 21. Remember Jesus restoring Peter to ministry? Do you remember three times uh, Jesus would ask Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter three times would respond, I love you. Lord, yes, you know that I love you. Lord, you know that I love you. And then Peter would hear Jesus say these words, tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep, tend my sheep. Now he speaks as a pastor, Pastor Peter, but he speaks as much more than an elder or a pastor. Now he doesn't have a degree or doctorate, but he has much more impressive credentials. Lest we forget Peter, let me remind you. He was directly called into ministry by Jesus. He was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He was in the inner circle, the three of Jesus. Three years sitting at the feet of Jesus. Witnessed the dead being raised by Jesus. Healed people in the name of Jesus. He walked on water with Jesus. Hello? Wow. He broke bread with Jesus. He, he, his feet Washed by Jesus. He saw the resurrected Jesus. He beheld the ascension of Jesus into the heavens. He preached to 3,000 souls were saved in the name of Jesus. He wrote scripture for us. The people of Jesus. Not bad credentials. For an uneducated fisherman from Galilee. Just goes to show God can use anybody. He can use anybody. Now, we're told some other things about him in verse 1. He witnessed the sufferings of Christ. He he wants those in ministry to understand that. He wants the church to know that. He, He was in Gethsemane beholding the tortured soul of the Lord. Who had cried out, let this cup pass from me and sweat drops of blood. He was there watching the arrest and he resisted it with the sword. He observed the injustices in the court of the high priest. And and he may have beheld Calvary. We're not told specifically in scripture that he was there at the cross like John was. But he could have been among the crowd very easily and saw what was going on. 
He witnessed the sufferings. And then we're told he's a partaker of the glory. Peter had a glimpse of the glory of the Savior like few others. The transfiguration in Matthew 17. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. Look at this. His face shone like the sun and his garments became white as light. He saw the glory of the Son of God. And by the way, one day you will behold the glory of the Son of God. John 17, it was Jesus' prayer. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see what? My glory, which you have given me. Now, the exhortation by an elder, okay? The exhortation to elders. And what is the exhortation? Here it is, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God among you. That's it? Shepherd the flock? I know they're supposed to do that. I know pastors, this seems so simple. Now you need to understand the word shepherd comes with a sense of urgency, not apathy. And you need to understand we are to act like shepherds, not hired hands. To be like the good shepherd, Jesus in John 10. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and what does he do? He flees. He leaves the sheep. The wolf snatches them, scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. Listen, shepherding, those in ministry, are called to pastor and shepherd. It means we are called to protect the sheep. We need to protect you from false teachers and false teaching. Whether you realize they are false teachers or false teaching or, or not. We, need to, we are called to care for the sheep. When you are hurting and, 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 and hurt by others. We're called to feed the sheep. I need to give you the highest quality meat and milk sermons and lessons that I possibly can. And we on staff are called to feed the sheep. We're called to correct the sheep. Whether you want to hear it or not. And sometimes you don't. Too bad. Anyway. We're called to lead the sheep. To lead you in the right direction. As a congregation. As a flock. To lead you beside quiet waters. And make you lie down in green pastures. And yes. Even those who need. I need to lead you. Because we live in Chicago. And it's you know. Not always the same here. You need to pray for our staff. You need to pray that we would be good at shepherding and leading. Now, the entire staff took an online spiritual gift survey uh, just recently. And uh, I encourage you to do the same as, as we learn our spiritual gifts. And that's pastors and directors and office staff. Everybody on staff scored super high in shepherding and pastoring. Everybody except one guy on staff. Guess who? That would be me. Who's number four on my list? You see, you got to be kidding me. You're, you're a shepherd. You're a pastor. Did you miss your calling, man? What's up with that? Well, what did you score high on, Pastor Scott, if it wasn't shepherding? Well, I scored high in the area of leadership. I'm a take charge, let's get going, steer the ship, delegate kind of guy, administration that, in that aspect. I scored high on evangelism. I'm going to, if it's breathing, I'm going to share the gospel to it. 
you know, and, and, and I'm going to seek to lead them to Christ. And I scored high on proclamation to boldly proclaim the word of God. And, and that's what I do. I, I just give you the word and I'm not going to worry about it. And here it is. Now, all of those things take part in shepherding as well. So understand that. And, and by the way, here's a reminder that I keep in my office uh, as, as to try to be a good shepherd. <laughs> and you may say, what's that? Well, that's an old German nutcracker. Uh, I don't know, it was about 50 years old that my mom gave me. She's collected nutcrackers for years. She's not a believer, um, but she knows I'm a shepherd, I'm a pastor. And he's carrying the sheep and he's got his staff to fight off the wolves. So it's a good reminder. And, and here's another good reminder, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Guess whose flock you are? You're God's. You don't belong to me. You don't, you don't belong to this staff. You're, you're God's children. You're God's people. You're God's flock. And you're very, very important to God. How important? Acts 20, 28. Another exhortation to those in ministry. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. That's how important you are to God. He gave his life to save you. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. You are special to God. And, and God will hold me and God will hold us accountable. I want you to understand, there's a serious responsibility and a serious accountability here. Hebrews thirteen seventeen, we see that. To the church, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your what? Your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So there is a mutual accountability between the sheep and the shepherds before God Almighty. Listen to what he says here. Keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. In other words, sheep, don't make the life of the shepherds miserable. That's what he says. He says that's unprofitable for you to do that. Submit to the leadership that God has placed over you. And, and, and here's the question. Do you bring joy or grief to the staff of this church? It's a good question. Do you bring the staff of this church great joy? Or do you have them go, oh my goodness, and want to head the other way? See, your attitude and your actions will be reported to God. That's what it says. We're going to give an account for you. And that's a huge responsibility on our part. We're not to fail to care for you and correct you and feed you and lead you and protect you. Psalm 78, 72 is a psalm of Asaph concerning David, the shepherd boy whom God would raise up to be king in Israel. This is what it is said of David. He shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and he guided them with his skillful hands. That's what you need to pray for me and our staff. That we will shepherd with integrity and with skill. That's the first thing that we see when it comes to shepherding. Here's the second thing. Now he's going to get real specific. Shepherd carefully, not carelessly. 
We don't want lazy leaders in the church. You don't want me to be a lazy leader. We don't want our staff to be a lazy leader. Verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. So exercising, this is called action and involvement and consistency. You know, I, I run three to four days a week. I go to the gym two to three days a week. I'm active and I make it consistent. Because action and consistency will make all the difference. Those in ministry, if we're going to make a difference, must be active and consistent. We must be active and consistent. And then he says this, call for oversight. Exercising oversight. What does that mean? It means assessing the health of the sheep and the ministries of the church. It means spotting potential dangers for the flock and for God's work here. It means planning for the future and mapping out the right course and direction for us to take as a congregation. You know, right now I'm planning a trip with my dad and my brother and my brother-in-law. We're going to the Boundary Waters in northern Minnesota at the end of the summer. There's over two million acres of lakes and wilderness up there. Okay, just going right into Canada. And, and, and I'm telling you, you've got to choose the right outfitter and you've got to look over the different lakes and portages and you've got to map out the entry point and draw up the route out. You definitely want to come out, so you need to be careful Okay, it is not a time to be careless, but careful. Listen, when it comes to church, we must take utmost care as leaders in this church. It's not just lives, it's souls that are at stake. And so we've got to map out a course for outreach and seeing more sheep saved and caring for the sheep we have and all the things that are involved. You need to intercede for the leaders of this church. And take that seriously, because we need to take it very seriously. Learning to shepherd and learning of shepherds. Seriously, not apathetically. Carefully, not carelessly. Here's the third one. Willingly, not grudgingly. Verse 2. Not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. Listen, attitude is everything when it comes to serving the Lord. The last thing you want is a pastor or leader in this church with a rotten attitude. Whether it's someone on staff or a key volunteer, just showing up because we have to. Going through the motions without any heart, not really caring. You know, with a tinge of anger or resentment or bitterness in what we do. You know, a bad attitude... I mean, I want you to think about it. It's kind of like looking forward to a good meal and finding bones in your chicken soup. Or, or mold on your bread. That's exactly what happened at dinner last week. My poor wife, she usually is an awesome cook. <laughs> and the chicken just got too, and the bones were all in it. And then I grabbed bread out from the pantry and put it out there and I opened it there's mold on it. I'm like, isn't this a great meal, babe? <laughs> Listen, someone with a bad attitude just ruins the ministry meal. It just causes you to lose your appetite. You wouldn't want me showing up on a Sunday. Because I have to preach to these sheep again. Wouldn't you just love that attitude? You wouldn't want me greeting you today with a bad attitude. I'm angry and I'm bitter. I'm resentful about something or someone. 
You don't want me pastoring without heart. I just don't care. So I'm just going to, whatever. You don't want me preaching with a ho-hum attitude. I'm just going to go through the motions. You want me to come up here and do that? No, it just kind of ruins the appetite. It ruins the ministry meal is what it does. It's like the family getting ready for church on Sunday morning. And the husband doesn't want to get out of bed. And his wife asked him why. It's too far to drive and the people aren't friendly and the sermon's always boring. To which she replied, honey, but you're the pastor. <laughs> Shepherd willingly. Willingly. Okay, he says voluntarily. We, we need to lead because we want to, not we have to. We need to lead and serve because we want to, not because we have to. And ministry leaders need to love to. And you who volunteer in service need to love to, not just because you have to. Now, this word voluntarily, he says, under, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. Does that mean we don't have to pay anybody on pa- staff, Pastor Scott? Voluntary has to do with attitude, okay? Not just compensation. And, and just to clarify this, Paul makes it clear to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9. It is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. Verse 11, if we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Verse 14, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to what? Get their living from the gospel. Paul makes it clear to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, say it with me, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing and the laborer is worthy of his wages. So paying the church staff is encouraged in scripture. Just don't call me Pastor Ox, okay? (laughs) Shepherd with a good attitude, shepherd willingly. And then it says this, shepherd according to the will of God. See, listen, serving Jesus, serving in this church has to be more than a job. It has to be a calling from God, a a calling to serve because we're gifted to serve, because we're blessed to serve. Now, people, people who forget that ministry is a calling, pastors who forget that ministry is a calling will not stay in ministry. They just won't. Uh, Because the pressures are too great, the criticisms are too frequent, hurtful, and hateful, the stress of a 24-7 job, pain of watching lives self-destruct, as they ignore what you've told them and taught them and counseled them and prayed with them about. It hits hard, I got to tell you. And, uh, it, but it's a calling, and it's a blessed calling. Learning to shepherd and learning of shepherds. Seriously, not apathetically, carefully, not carelessly, willingly, not grudgingly. Here's the fourth. Shepherd eagerly, not greedily. Look at the end of verse 2. Not for sordid gain but with eagerness. In other words, don't fleece the flock, pastors. Okay? Don't take advantage of people financially. There's no place for greed among the servants of God. We see this in the clear qualifications of an elder, pastor, bishop. 1 Timothy 3. An overseer then must be free from the love of money. It cannot be his motive. 
1 Timothy or Titus 1.7. The overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not fond of sordid gain. Making money should never be the motive for ministry. Greed has taken many guys out of ministry. A few months ago in Indiana, there was a pastor's home that was burglarized uh, just this past December. Thank God for the church members. They rallied. They raised money to help the family out. They even replaced the money in the daughter's piggy bank that the that the thief stole. And insurance was going to replace everything. Oh, wait. Insurance. Yes, they did an investigation. The whole thing was set up by the pastor. He had a miner rob his house. He left it open to make money off the insurance company. That's called insurance fraud. Why would he do that? Because he owed the miner money for heroin and pain pills that he had been buying. Those kind of guys give guys in ministry a bad name. Now, Pastor Scott, what, what about you? How do you handle money? Let me talk to you about that. I don't touch the money in this church. Never have. Lord willing, never will. I, I don't know what anyone gives in this church. I've shared that with you before. I have no idea what you give. I preach the word and I pray that you're faithful to God with your tithes and offerings. I don't even take an offering envelope after the service. Numerous times throughout the year, someone will come up to me after a service and say, I forgot to put this in the offering plate. And I look at them and say, sorry, <laughs> go give that to an usher or a greeter or my assistant. I just, I won't take your offering after the service. Unless it's over 500 in cash, then I'll take it. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, Okay. I mean, you need to know this too. I don't even know what I get paid as a pastor. I mean, I remember like a number, but I don't know what my weekly check is. I have no clue. I don't even know when I get paid for 22 years. You know, my wife will say, you get paid this week. I do? I don't even know when I get paid. I don't serve for a paycheck. Understand that. I am not in ministry for money. If it was about money, I wouldn't be in ministry. Get that. I would be back in New Jersey working for my dad in one of his six law offices. Just to let you know. Overseeing one of his building companies or his title company and doing very well. This is my calling. This is why I serve in the church. This is why I serve as your pastor. Understand that. And you need to know, Carla and I have always been givers. We, she's been working on our taxes to send them in. And I was so excited. She showed me what we gave last year. It's the most we've ever given. I was so pumped about that. Genuinely excited. It, it, you know, we more than tithe to the work here. We support different missions. We, we have compassion, child. I mean, we love to give. So money doesn't have a hold of us. We understand we're stewards of what God has given us. So, no, no fleecing the flock. No serving for money, but out of love and, and eagerly. Look what he says here. But with eagerness. It's a love for God and a love for his people and a love for the calling. And listen, you need to know, not every day at harvest is Disney World. It's not, okay? This place is not always magical. It can be very messy at times. Plenty of tough days, hard conversations, difficult decisions, pressure-filled situations, messed up lives, but it's worth it. It's always worth it. And by the way, you need to know, some of you who are newer to harvest, you know, you haven't been along for the ride for a long time. You need to understand what God's done here. Um, this was my wife and I and our daughter 22 years ago when we came to the church. And Carla was seven months pregnant with our son. And you may say, well, what's that down in the bottom portion? 
That's where you are, people. That's the old, old building that sits over there that's hidden behind the, uh, the youth sanctuary now. That, that's, that's our church, and that's the drive around the front right there. God has done a wonderful thing at our church. And don't ever take for granted what God has done at this place. He has been a good, good father. Amen. So, learning to shepherd and learning of shepherds. Seriously, not apathetically. Carefully, not carelessly. Willingly, not grudgingly. Eagerly, not greedily. Humbly, not arrogantly. Look at verse 3. Nor yet lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Listen, we're called, I'm called to be an overseer, not an overlord. We're called to be leaders, not dictators. Lording it over has the idea of controlling and heavy-handed authority and strong-arming people. Listen, the flock of God is made up of sheep, not cattle. You drive cattle, you lead sheep. There are times I want to drive sheep. You need to pray for me that I don't drive sheep. That I lead sheep and that our staff leads the sheep. Now, in reference to bad shepherds, leaders in Israel, we see this exhortation in Ezekiel 34. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, woe, shepherds of Israel, you've been feeding, who've been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Those who are sickly, you've not strengthened. The diseased, you've not healed. The broken, you've not bound up. The scattered, you've not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost, but with force and with severity, you've dominated them. That's the idea of lording it over. Therefore, the shepherd, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them and make them cease from feeding sheep. Now, Jesus made it clear what kind of leaders we are to be and what kind of people we are to be. To the disciples, he said these words in Matthew 20. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your what? Your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So godly leaders are to serve and give. And godly people are to serve and give. So the question is, are we godly? Are we serving and are we giving? That's what God says to do. You want to be great? You want to be first? You learn to serve. Learn to give. Called to be overseers, not overlords. And he says, swallow your eagle. Your eagle, your ego. (laughs) It'd be difficult to swallow an eagle. Okay, look at verse 3. But proving to be examples to the flock. Swallow your ego and be an example. And, And this is more than words. He says, prove it. Okay, I love this cartoon of this foreman being pulled by Egyptian slaves. Believe me, fellows, everyone from Pharaoh on down is an equally valued member of the team. Yeah, right. Make sure your words match your actions. Now, what he's saying here is those in ministry need to be examples. 
So a pastor needs to provide the pattern. A minister needs to provide the model. A, a bishop needs to provide the blueprint. That's what he's talking about here. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.6. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. So here's the thing. I need to follow Jesus so closely that to follow me is to follow Jesus. That is hard to do. But that's what a pastor, that's what church leaders are called to do. To follow Jesus so closely that to follow the leader is to follow Jesus. Now, one more thing we see about learning to shepherd and learning of shepherds. Shepherd expectantly, not ignorantly. Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, Jesus is the chief shepherd. Now, he's called a shepherd in many different ways. It's just incredible. Here, here are some of them. Listen to these descriptions. Matthew 2, 6. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. He is the ruling shepherd. John 10. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. He is not only the ruling shepherd, he's the good shepherd. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace who brought, us, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. So he's the ruling shepherd, good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And, and 1 Peter 2, 25. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. He guards your soul. He leads your soul. That's who he is as a shepherd and guardian. A fascinating one in Revelation 7, 17. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He's the lamb of God, and yet he is the shepherd at the same time. And will guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Lamb of God who is our shepherd. And then our passage here in 1 Peter 5.4. He is the chief shepherd. There's accountability. There's a reporting day for me that's coming. That's scary. That's a big responsibility. And he's coming back. It says here when the chief shepherd appears. Now, this is great motivation to be a good shepherd for the good shepherd. And that's what I'm called to be, and our staff is, to be good shepherds for the good shepherd. And this is an encouragement because he, he sees and knows our work and we, we serve under his watchful eyes as the chief shepherd. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your toil is not in vain in the Lord. He sees... He knows it's not in vain. And he's coming back. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father and is with his angels and, and it will repay every man according to his deeds. 1 John 2, 28. Now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him at shame and his coming. When we see him, I do not, be want, I do not want to be the, among those who shrink in shame. If Jesus were appeared today in this place, the way you are living your life right now, 
would you shrink in shame? The way you are living, the things you are doing, the words you've been speaking, the actions you've been taking. You need to understand you're going to see him someday. And you need to get things right right now. So that you do not shrink in shame at his coming. And it says here the good shepherd will reward good shepherds as well as his good children. They will receive the unfading crown of glory, never fading, unlike the crowns received in athletic events. See, faithfulness is promised to be rewarded by God. Even if you don't feel appreciated on earth, you are appreciated from heaven. And my prayer for myself and those who serve here and for you is that one day we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Learning to shepherd and learning of shepherds. Let's say it together. Shepherd seriously, not apathetically, carefully, not carelessly, willingly, not grudgingly, eagerly, not greedily, humbly, not arrogantly, and expectantly, not ignorantly.